Welcome to Call Jeshurun, a podcast from Congregation B'nai Jeshurun, a vibrant and flourishing Reformed Jewish community in Short Hills, New Jersey. Welcome. I am Rabbi Matthew Gewertz. Call Jeshurun is where you can come to engage with teachings of relevant wisdom and music. You will hear from our clergy, staff, and guest speakers who will help bring meaning into a world that so badly needs it. If you would like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at tbj.org. Cantor Jeff Klepper is one of the key figures in American Jewish music. His original songs, such as the universally beloved Shalom Rav, written with Rabbi Daniel Friedlander, are known throughout the Jewish world. He was one of the first cantors to champion congregational singing and to use a guitar in Jewish worship. For his role in creating a contemporary Jewish musical style, he has been hailed as a pioneer, one of a handful of people responsible for literally changing the sound of American synagogue music. His influence is reflected not only in the hundreds of cantors, song leaders, teachers, singers, and musicians who regularly teach and perform his songs, but in the thousands of students, campers, and shul-goers who sing them. I met Jeff as a child in Chappaqua, New York, at Temple Bethel, where he was cantorial intern with Rabbi Chaim Stern. The following is from a conversation I had with Cantor Jeff Klepper on September 1st, 2021. Talk a little bit about how you and Debbie Friedman were seen as sort of torpedoing, you know, what was Jewish music. It took me years and years to understand the angst of cantors, the legitimate concerns of cantors in the early and mid-70s. And I couldn't understand that as a younger person because we were rebels at the time. We were idealists. We, we were doing our own thing. Not that I didn't respect the music that was already there. It's just I didn't, it was not ours. When kids came home from camp, and said to their cantors and their rabbis, can we sing the versions of these tunes that we sang at camp? And the cantor would say, well, what songs would you like to sing? And the kids might say, we want to sing, oh, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might which was radical in so many ways in reform synagogues, except for hymns, you know, the old fashioned God is in his holy temple. Number two, music in the synagogue, except for the opening song and closing song, it didn't have a, a tempo, boom, 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 because thou shalt love, which was Debbie's first, and I use quotations, Debbie's first hit. Those songs were based on popular music. And these cantors who, who were, let's say, in their 40s or 50s, who had studied classical music their whole lives, choral music, who had studied corpus of, of Jewish traditional tunes, to them it was stuss, you know, which is just German for nonsense. Almost chilol Hashem, you know, almost an abomination. How can you sing pop songs in a shul, in a synagogue, choirs of angels and thunderous organ chord, kol nidre, 500-year-old tune. And don't let anyone ever tell you that any tunes we sing are older than about 500 years 
old. It's another myth. I mean, yes, there might be little couple of notes that have an ancient origin if you go back. We don't know. There were no cassette tapes back in Moses' time. And then kids said, oh, we want to be able to clap when we sing. You know, we want to sing, you know, it took a long time to get past that. But I'll tell you, canters looked down their noses at what we were doing and they vilified us and criticized us and they called it camp songs and we're not going to sing campfire songs in the shul and it's those happy clappy not elevating the sacred words of our tradition but you know who did get it not just younger rabbis rabbis across the board not all but many especially some in in very important positions in significant congregations, the rabbis got it right away. For many, many used to go to camp more than cantors, you see. So the rabbis understood the culture of camp and also the religiosity, the spiritual feeling that we were creating at camp. Rabbis knew this firsthand. The cantors really didn't. And rabbis understood well, if we can get the congregation to sing, the congregation will learn the Hebrew prayers. The congregation will feel, you know, participating, in, involved, and in spiritual community. And cantors didn't get that because cantors wanted to perform. Rabbis wanted everyone to sing. Cantors, by and large, just wanted to sing by themselves or with the choir. So it really is a fascinating dynamic. But it was all changing by the 1980s. We had fought these fights and there a few battles remained, but things had started to change. Rabbi Daniel Friedlander and your partnership with him and, mm -hmm. you know, sort of how you bonded um, as friends artistically and collaborated. Well, we are taping this in September of 2021. And uh, Danny and I met in October of 1971. So next month, we will have known each other for 50 years. So in a way, we're like brothers. I mean, I have one brother, Danny had two brothers, one passed away though. I have a younger brother. And Danny had two younger brothers. So in terms of dynamics, Danny soon became sort of my older brother, if you can understand that, right? Because every firstborn wants an older sibling because we never had one growing up. We <laughs> met at a Jewish teachers conference. I think it was in Hartford, Connecticut. And we were both college. I think I was a freshman, he was a sophomore. And we were religious school teachers because that's what Jewish kids do when they go to college. You know, you call up the cantor or the rabbi or the educator of, of your local synagogue and say, do you need any teachers? And they say, yes, we do. And so you become a religious school teacher. And the reform movement used to have teacher training seminars. So that's how I met Danny. And people who knew either him or me wanted each to meet the other. Oh, you've got to meet Danny. So we met and we immediately had a rapport. We were both interested in music and in Jewish life. Well, Danny was not a guitar player, but because Danny was not a guitar player, 
we both realized that when when Jeff played and Danny sang, that it was amazing because he has this incredible voice. My voice was okay, but Danny had a beautiful, I wouldn't call it a classical voice. It was almost kind of a Broadway type of voice. But when we played together, there was a certain magic that just happens with musicians, you know, where my playing and his singing just kind of went together. And don't forget, this is 1971. Debbie is just then writing and recording her first collection of music. So this is very early on. The idea of sitting down and playing guitar in that folk 60s style, but singing Jewish liturgical music, that's a new thing. People were not doing that. Yes, a few people, but by and large, not. It's not a thing. So Danny and I very quickly worked up a shtick, you know, meaning an act, you know, rehearsing some songs, popular folk songs, English songs, Hebrew songs, Debbie Friedman songs, camp songs, Israeli songs. And we started singing. And before long, we were known in the small group of New England reform youth groups, you know, oh, Danny and Jeff, you know, so then we started to play at services of youth services, right? Once a year, where the youth group would take over the synagogue. And before long, Danny, I think, suggested that we write a song. It was 1972. Debbie Friedman's uh, Thou Shall Love the Lord was, was a big hit. And a number of her other songs, L'Cha Dudi, and so on and so forth. And we sat down and we wrote, just out of our heads. We just sat down. And I don't even think we taped it. We just, you know, that was in the old days. You had to be, you just, remember it because it was memorable. You had to remember it. You had just had to sing it 20 times until you remembered it. Yeah. That's how the Beatles wrote Yeah, back, back then. Yeah. It was a memorable melody, and that's why you remembered it, because it was really good. And the ones that weren't are forgotten. Yeah, well, that's a good point. It is kind of funny, because Danny and I are putting out a songbook of 100 songs. So as part of this project, I'm going through, behind me, you see all the books. Well, at the bottom are shelves of file folders and those file folders, I kid you not, have the actual papers, you know, of notes. It's great. I don't mean musical notes. Neither Danny or I were all that good at writing notes. I mean the notes for composition, yeah. But just, you know, the lyrics and the chords and all, of really going back to the, to the early and mid-70s. And I found a couple of songs that we had never recorded you're doing a record, you pick the low-hanging fruit, you know, you pick your dozen songs and you record them and then you forget the half a dozen songs that you didn't pick. It's really been fun unearthing and polishing those early songs. I have the actual cassette tape on which we wrote Shalom Rav. I mean, I'll send it to you. I'll send you the file. I'd love to hear it. I think it's wonderful you're putting out the songbook. And if you can, you know, put down any of the 
unique guitar voicings and the compositions for guitar players who are trying to get the flavors because I mean, for me, I, I pick up this stuff um, from having sat next to you. So I pass it along to my students at HUC. You know, the several pieces I remember sitting next to you at Habanashira and, and seeing you play in front of me as a child. I did want to ask you about uh, Chaim Stern for a second. Rabbi Chaim Stern was a giant in Jewish thinking and as a, as a teacher and as a person. And you, you got to work with him and, and you were a young man and, and you've talked about some of the qualities of, of rabbis. Um, could you just tell us a little bit about your, your memories of working with Chaim and what he meant to you? Well, let me tell you about the day that I met Chaim. I knew his name, of course, because the prayer book that he edited, The Gates of Prayer, came out in 1974. And throughout the early 70s, a number of rabbis, young and old, and some of them were at camp, some of them I got to know. It was a movement-wide mission to create this new prayer book because before Gates of Prayer, we had the Union Prayer Book, and the Union Prayer Book really dated from the early 1900s. You know, I mean, it had been revised. That's the one famously that, instead of rabbi, used to say minister. Wow. Changed, of course, but they didn't change it to rabbi. They changed it to reader yeah. sometime in the 50s, I think. In 1974, cantorial student, at Hebrew Union College, and I was, let's be honest, I was kind of seen as a rebel, the guy with the long hair and the and the denim jeans and all that hippie-ish kind of uh, presentation, not to mention a cantor playing guitar. There were only two or three guitar players at, at the School of Sacred Music which I understand now is called the Debbie Friedman School of Sacred Music. There was a panel for the rabbinic and cantorial students about the new prayer book. And I remember two of the rabbis in that panel, there were probably several others, but there was Chaim Stern, the editor, and there was Rabbi Harvey Fields, who was one of the main contributors, let's say, to the prayer book. And Chaim Stern, you know because he was your childhood rabbi, Chaim Stern was very droll. He had a sort of a wink, you know. He said these pithy things or sort of philosophic, almost like a Hasidic rabbi, um, but always with a kind of a wink. Chaim Stern said, we recently had a ceremony at my temple at Bethel of Chappaqua to bring forth this new prayer book. And in honor of that, I asked a friend of mine who's a jazz musician named Arnie Lawrence to write some new music. So Chaim said, and I'd like you to hear this music. So he presses a button on a tape recorder, and we start to hear the music of Arnie Lawrence. Let me hear you, Lord, when I hear my Sorry. 
reflecting in my soul's night, the universal God, the universal God, the universal God. sung by a jazz singer named Annette Sanders, who, almost like a Carmen McRae sort of Sarah Vaughan jazz style, just to give you the, you know, just to give you the idea of heady, it. Very heady. And, yeah, but, and beautiful and, and, and light and spiritual singing these jazz compositions of this, uh, incredible jazz composer named Arnie Lawrence. In any event, I was blown away. I had never heard such a thing. This wasn't Debbie Friedman, by the way. You know what I'm saying? This wasn't folk, la la, clappy clappy. This was serious jazz music. And so we weren't limited to the, the simple camp music, you know, with four or five chords and the boom chick, boom chick, boom chick. We could do anything. Well, it wasn't until three or four years later that there was an opening for a student cantor at his synagogue. And that was a job I really, really, really wanted. And uh, interviewed with him and got that position, stayed there two years. And um, I learned a lot from working with Chaim Stern. And along the way, you couldn't help every time you opened up the 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 prayer book you would see poems that he had written that had well his name was in the back of the book if i'm not mistaken i would take his songs poems on occasion and set them to music and the first one was uh, when god made the world and made it full of life when god made the world god made it full of light the sun to shine by day moon and stars by night God made it full of life lilies oaks and trout tigers and bears sparrows hawks and apes and God took clay from earth's four corners to give it the breath of life and God said 
child All are good This is very good This is very, very good Man, woman and child All are good Man, woman and child Resemble God I had so much fun writing that tune. And then I got to play it at the synagogue with him. I think I wrote the tune even before I came to Bethel. But then he would write poems that were not published, that were simply strictly in-house kinds of things. And, and some of it was just incredible and very deep. And so I set them to music. I've recorded a number of them. And I will be forever grateful to Rabbi Chaim Stern. Beautiful. Zai gesund, shana tova, gutior, and um, we'll catch up. Bet chef. Okay. Bet. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this edition of Call Jeshurun. If you would like to learn more, visit our website at tbj.org and follow us on social media for updates on all our upcoming opportunities for engagement. We really hope to see you soon.